Hey, everybody. This is Jeff Cross, your host of Friends with Employee Benefits. And today we're going to talk about a topic that's gaining a lot of traction and attention out there with employers. And it's around um, attracting and retaining and, and keeping your, your employees engaged and happy uh, and involved in work and uh, and healthy uh, all around. And so uh, I, I don't want to give away too much in the intro. We're going to get into it. But I have with me uh, some special guests. We've got Ryan Burns and Megan Burns, both from Forma, and Lisa Jacoby, who's from COCC. And uh, we're going to go right into it. I'll have each of them introduce themselves a little bit more, and then we'll get into this hot topic. All right, guys, before we get started, uh, while I've introduced you all just by name, if you could each spend one or two sentences uh, telling us a little bit about who you are and what role you play at uh, Forma, Megan and Ryan, and then Lisa at COCC. So we'll start with Ryan. Hi, my name's Ryan Burns over here at Forma. I've been here for a couple of years, uh, account executive you know, down here in the Southeast. Um, and just a little bit about Forma. We've been around since 2017. Uh, we are a life benefits platform. Uh, we're really geared to allow employers to uh, create these lifestyle spending accounts that mean something to their employees. Um, so we're doing this for, you know, you know, companies of all size, all industries, you know, across the globe. So if they're if the, if the companies are looking for ways to you know attract and retain talent, uh, get their employees engaged and actually uh, create spending accounts that matter to each individual, regardless of who they are, where they live, uh, lifestyle spending accounts are a really good jumping off point to do that. Um, so pass it over to Megan. Yeah, thanks. Uh, my name is Megan Burns. I focus on benefits strategy and solutions over at Forma. Um, really, that just means I get involved when potential prospects or customers have some of those nittier, grittier questions related to um, benchmarking, uh, positioning the products internally, uh, how the file integrations work, uh, taxability and compliance. So super excited to be here today to talk about lifestyle spending accounts. Uh, so thanks for having us. Sure. And Lisa? Hi there. I'm Lisa Jacoby. I work at COCC. We are a uh, technology solution provider for banks and credit unions. So I'm the uh, chief HR officer and really responsible for our overall you know, people strategy, uh, the whole workplace experience. We invest a ton of time uh, with how our people come together, how they engage, how they grow their career at COCC. We, we are a servicer. So really at the end of the day, beyond technology, uh, you know, we're selling to our clients a really engaged uh, workforce that's ready to support them from a technology, from a service, from an operations perspective. So um, I have the benefit in my role to really always be on the pulse of uh, keeping our people strategy and keeping our workplace a premier workplace uh, here in, in Connecticut. <clears throat> That's a great segue, Lisa, because as I was kind of, you know, brainstorming on this topic for this podcast, the thing that comes to mind, I think really for every employer these days is that it's very difficult today in today's environment to attract and retain top talent. And, yes. and, it, and it, it's it's certainly not getting any easier. And it's largely because employees today are, are I think, far more diverse in their needs and their expectations than ever before. And so, you know, I'm curious, Lisa, I guess we could start with you. Like, do you agree with that? And what, what are you kind of seeing out from, from an employer, uh, employee uh, standpoint these days out in the workforce? 
I see it massively evolving. You probably you probably said it best. You know, it's uh, it's really different. It's different than where we were even just a couple years ago. I remember when the pandemic came in. You know, I said to myself, and I. I said, well, I won't have to worry about turnover for a while. Um, you know, that lasted all of three months. And, uh, you know, the workforce and everything that we're seeing, even if we're in this potential, are we going to come come into a recession or not? The signs have been really clear that the labor market is, su- is still super, super tight. So even just recently, I think uh, the, the Bureau of Labor Statistics basically has come out and said still less than 1% of companies here in the United States have laid off. I mean, so we've seen some of these things in the newspaper, like, oh, there's these big layoffs. Uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, we're still sitting at 3.4% unemployment. Mm-hmm. And these are staggeringly low numbers, staggeringly low numbers as far as layoffs. Um, and the workforce has continued to change with I think close to 60% of the of the workforce today uh, comprised of the Gen Z and Gen Y uh, millennial makeup. And, and they see work and they see the world differently. So it, it is absolutely transforming very, very fast. Yeah, Ryan or, or Megan, I don't know if you want to weigh in on this. I mean, do you see similar things across the country? You guys are working multiple markets. Is that, do you agree with all that? Anything you want to add? I I completely agree. In terms of common themes and challenges, I think everyone is um, trying to do more with less. A lot of uh, HR professionals are struggling to uh, meet their employees' diverse benefits needs. And so uh, we're in a multi-generational workforce. I think technically we have five generations in the workforce today, all asking for different types of benefits uh, from their employers. And so it's really hard for an HR administrator, um, a benefits team to keep up with their employee demand. And so uh, typically what's uh, happened historically is, um, you know, HR teams, in my opinion, the best people in the world. They have a lot of heart. Um, they care about their employees. And so they get requests related to the types of benefits that would support their needs. And then they move forward to implement point solutions to um, uh, benefit individual employee needs. And that's just not sustainable. It's where we're at today. It's administratively too hard to keep up with. Um, HR teams are spending uh, countless hours on uh different types of vendor RFPs annually, uh, billing, ongoing administration, uh, including uh, files and error reports. And so it's just gotten a little out of hand. Uh, Forma actually uh, released a benefits survey in January of this year, where we uh, sent out a survey to uh, different organizations who didn't have benefits with Forma today, asking the number of point solutions they typically have in place. Over 270 customers responded to that survey and had anywhere from five to 15 benefits with nine um, being the most common type of perk programs they had in place. So nine different point solutions to help address their population's needs. Yeah, it gets confusing. Yeah. Um, I know that basically every conversation I'm having, attraction and retention is a number one goal this year. Um, And kind of your comment on the Gen Z's, Gen Y too, how can we rethink our benefits package to be the most attractive uh, to these uh, employees in this generation as well? So definitely plus one on, on everything you shared. Is that the expectation of of the the Gen X, Gen Z, or Gen, you know, the millennials and the Gen Zers? I'm getting my gener- generations all mixed up. 
which shows which generation I'm from. But um, <laughs> at any rate, do, do they expect different benefits than perhaps were expected, you know, 20 years ago, 25 years ago in the workforce? I think they do. Absolutely. Um, what's funny to me is, um, so I've been in the uh, insurance industry for over 10 years, and I've sort of seen a little bit of the evolution of uh, DEI initiatives. And so I would say a few years ago, it was primarily focused on what types of benefits, point solutions can we bring in place to support our caregivers or our um, you know, young female employees who maybe want to start planning a family. And so there were really defined products and benefit programs that supported these types of individuals. Uh, the younger generations are saying, you know, that's great. You support these types of employees, but I don't want to have kids. I love my pet and I, uh, you know, want to partake in the same types of benefits that my peers are getting. They're getting more benefits. So what can you give to me? Um, and so there's this new demand where a lot of organizations I work with have to start to rethink DEI a little bit um, to be a little bit more inclusive to the employees that don't necessarily um, have the same needs or benefit needs as, as their peers. So I think that's interesting. Um, curious, Lisa, if, if you hear the same thing from your populations at all. Absolutely, which was really kind of a you know, something we've been, we've been watching for years, just this, this change of how people, why people are coming together at work and what was important to them and really a, a massive polarization almost of what people cared about from a benefits, benefits perspective. So we started really looking at a journey of how do we become more inclusive in our benefit model and the way that we recognize our staff probably at the end of 2018. Uh, and it, it took us uh, many, many years to realize that lifestyle spending accounts was actually the answer that that uh, we needed to head into uh, for many, many reasons. And we've been thrilled that we we took this journey this year. Well, well so I, I definitely want to get into that because you mentioned lifestyle spending accounts and, and I think we'll spend some time there. But for those who don't yep. even know what that is, Ryan, you want to talk a little bit about what is a lifestyle spending account and and how it works, and and then how that might how that helps to solve that demand for. It's interesting. We took DEI to benefits, and we're calling it benefits diversity, Lisa. Right? I mean, you're thinking yeah. of it in terms of how do we diversify our benefit offerings to meet the diversified needs of our our, our employees, which is a really great way to think about it, but. Uh, how how do lifestyle spending uh, accounts work? How does that solve the problem? Yeah, a lifestyle spending account, or you may hear it out in the market as the acronym LSA, um, is an account that is all really based around categories and choice. So uh, the employer will put a money aside into a lifestyle spending account, uh, and it has the parameters around that. So it's uh, built for its intended purpose. So employees are using the money within that account that's sponsored by the employer to use for this intended purpose, but more so for these moments that matter to them. And some of the example categories you've seen today to get reimbursed for are things around, you know, lifestyle, wellness, family, uh, education, financial repayment, work from home, food, and, and so much more. So just to kind of, you know, give you the high level of it is, is, is what, you know, employers do with these lifestyle spending accounts is, 
first and foremost, they set the parameters, you know, of, you know, what, what you can spend it on, you know, categories and example categories and things like that, and how much money you get uh, per period, whether that's every month, every quarter, every year, do the funds roll over, do they expire? And because it's based on categories and not actual vendors per se, uh, they can go out and purchase from a vendor that they like, whether, you know, you know, I want to go you know, use it at yoga and then you want to go use it at an actual gym, but somebody defines wellness is actually, you know, paying down a student loan because if financial health is in order, mental health is in order. So, or it's caregiving. So everyone, you know, defines wellness is something completely different. And the LSA is a great way to give that flexibility and customization to anybody with, you know, regardless of age, um, you know, diversity or, or, or where they live uh, across the world. Uh, it's a great way to show your show your employees that you're here for them uh, and that, you know, you're not saying in defining what it is to them because those moments right. will change at the course of their uh, course of, over the course of their life within the organization. For example, like COCC, that someone can be 24, right. 25 years old, they're single living in New York City and they want to use the money for the gym and pay down a student loan. But then they're there for five years and all of a sudden they have a kid, they have kids, they move out to the suburbs uh, and that those moments change. So they repurpose the money to spend on childcare or, you know, uh, using it for a Peloton at home instead of going to the gym because their life just doesn't work that way anymore. So the lifestyle spending account shapes the way the individual works and lives within their own life. Lisa, we're going to get to COCC and, and kind of how you've implemented there, but I just want to step back for a second and, and be clear so Ryan or Megan, so a lifestyle spending account is similar to like a health savings account or, or a flexible spending account. Maybe it's more, but, but with more flexibility. So let me make sure I understand. So employers can put money into a lifestyle spending account, which is essentially just income to the employees just for them to use, you know, differently than they might use to, to pay bills or, or something like that. Right. You nailed it. Yeah. You got it. And is it a user lose it thing then? So I guess it's it's more like an HRA, which is if if you don't if it's not spent, it's not like the employee owns that money, right? It's 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 use it or or it's not used, right? Yeah. So totally customizable up to oh. the the client working with us. So yeah. because more often than not, they're post-tax, um, we can set it up as a monthly benefit, quarterly, annual, it could roll over. Um, it could be set up as use it or lose it. Our, our form of benefit, we have a wellness benefit, uh, $200 a month. Um, but if we reach $600, we stop accruing additional funds. So that's just another way, a parameter in place to incentivize me as an employee uh, to get out there, be healthy month over month, because I don't want to lose access to $200 because I'm not spending being healthy. So you can get really creative. So Lisa, we know that you've implemented this at COC. We've already alluded to that. So can you share like from an employer's perspective, what stood out to you about LSAs and why Why did you do it? Why have you added this benefit for your employees? Great question. You know, I'll, I'll certainly tell you that there's been years of us seeing that we needed to do something different. So, you know, we saw, you know, as our, as our workforce grew over, you know, and I'd say five years ago, it became very apparent that we were becoming, um, you know, a larger organization with, you know, people are coming to work for different reasons. They're looking at our benefit strategy for different reasons. You said it earlier, you know, the best um, 
I think Ryan said it, you know, when, when someone started out and they were living in New York City, what their motivating needs were different than maybe five years past after that, and maybe they're now raising a family. So we we realized, and just giving you an example, one of the benefits that we put in place over 10 years ago was a fitness reimbursement program. And for the last 10 years, we probably had between 16 to 22% of our of our staff take advantage of fitness reimbursement, where we were uh, reimbursing our employees up to $40 a month for gym reimbursement. And we said to ourselves, well, what if we what if we took that benefit that we know that not everybody's, it was like one profile that was grabbing, holding on to that benefit. And we said to ourselves, well, what if we took that benefit and tried to take that, those dollars that we were funding and allow it for everyone to use? So this is, this was a, this was kind of the, I'd say the linchpin that got us to use Forma was taking our fitness reimbursement and really kind of opening the floodgates to saying, we want to put equity in a benefit that we think is really important to everyone. So we went from that 16 to 22% of, of enrollment to 92% of our staff opening up their Forma account, I believe in the first 30 to 60 days. Uh, we are almost five months into Forma and we have over half of our employees who have spent their money. So just those percentages alone tell you that, you know, this benefit is far more inclusive than where we have been. Uh, and it really, aside from our employees still trying to understand the fact that they're getting taxed on stuff that they've they've spent money on, that we've given cash for, uh, it really has been a, a game changer for us. And it was it's one piece that I see as we strategize and invest more with our benefits, we will be getting more and more creative on how we can continue to use things like Forma uh, for future recognition. So it's a great vehicle that we've started. Um, and the, you know, the, just the participation alone uh, is, is music to my ears. Kudos to our people's success team who've been working with Forma. Uh, they really have made this happen and it's been a beautiful transition for us. So what strikes me is that you wanted more people participating, which, which means you wanted to spend more money. And but it's very important, right? You wanted to spend more money on people taking care of themselves. Right. And that's why I smirk a little bit is we wanted we wanted to have certainly there was a lot of things. So in 2021, we saw a pretty large dip. Uh, in our workplace scores about benefits. We saw that a lot of people, especially kind of coming back from the pandemic, were seeing benefits differently. Uh, and we wanted to reach into that. We did some uh, surveying from, from a DEIB, uh, diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging perspective, where we got a lot of feedback in the summer of last year that basically said, I'm not sure the benefits are really meeting my needs. So we really wanted to come into January of 23, kind of blowing the doors off and saying, you know what, we're ready to really invest in something that we want everyone to to have an opportunity to utilize. Uh, and it's been, like I said, it's been a, it's been a great start for us so far. And Lisa, if you don't, if you don't mind, if I might jump sure. in, I, I think that's great because, you know, when you look at benefits landscape as a whole, especially like a younger generation, they want instant gratification. Everybody, you know, Everybody. I think regardless yeah. of age, people want right. stuff now, everything's immediate. And when you look at things like 401k, they're super, super important. But that's way out in the future. That's 45 right. years from now that you may collect on it and people want stuff now. So how can you, you know, sort of get people excited and engaged today? Lifestyle benefits are sort of a great jumping off point because when they're getting reimbursed for stuff, you know, 
on a consistent basis, whether that's for their family, wellness, education, remote working, um, they're constantly getting reimbursed for stuff that matters by their employer. So it really taps right. into the psychology of an individual. And they're going to think twice about, hey, do I leave? Do I stay? You know, and it, it allows yeah. you to have butts in the seats to do good, consistent work that eventually affects the the bottom line, which is positive business outcomes. Um, so I think it, you know, from both sides, you know, from a financial point into a human psychology point, they, they collide. They, they really do. And I'll tell you, Ryan, I don't know if you saw yesterday, the SHRM, um, the National SHRM article came out about Morgan Stanley's at work survey program that says 69% of employees now are re-looking at their financial benefit strategy because from inflation and the cost of just living, employees now are paying attention more of what's really my employer giving me. Mm -hmm. um, and so I thought that was a very worthwhile percentage on top of you know, another staggering percentage that 89% of people now are thinking twice about when they think about leaving an employer, they're re-looking at, well, what's my employer actually investing in with me from a financial benefit standpoint? So those are the things that I say, you know, if an employer is trying to pull back on things, don't pull back on this component right now that I think is pivotal to keeping, you know, your, your highest the people you want to keep, you 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 want to you want to make sure that you're showing them you're continuing to invest in all of this. I agree. Compassion, especially now more than ever, you know, post COVID, people are speaking up now. People are really telling you what they want uh, and how it means to them. Um, I I agree with you. I think that's super important. Good good point. So it's, you know, uh, it shows, I, I would imagine, employees that their employer really, truly cares about them, that they're willing to put a benefit like this in. Lisa, is that the feedback that, that you're getting? You said the feedback's generally been pretty favorable. Do you want to expand on that a little bit? What specifically are people saying about the, the lifestyle spending? Definitely that, you know, we've had um, we've had a great response with people obviously being active on it. Uh, they're they're spending their money on a number of. And granted, we we did go to the we want you to spend it on yourself. So we had the bucket for wellness. We have a bucket for kind of anything from a you know from our DEIB perspective. And I think that's really people have seen it like this is really cool. We like this benefit. In fact, even in our most recent uh, employee engagement survey, we just got the feedback last week. Uh, I was impressed to see how many of our thirteen hundred comments, how many comments in there actually referred to Forma and our lifestyle spending account. Mm. So nothing, if I was to back up over the 13 years that we have data in our employee survey, I don't think I can tell you that there's been one benefit that uh, that our employees would be all commenting on, you know, which is, which is great. I remember, you know, 15 years ago, you know, I've been at CEOCC for 19 years, 15, 19 years ago, when we put more money, when we would put more money in the 401k, people cared and we're like, this is great. Thank you. You know, um, I, you know, even just a year and a half ago, when we put an additional percent into our profit share, it was like crickets in our, in our, in the town hall, because it's just, that doesn't matter. It's like, okay, great. You put an extra percent in my, pro, in my 401k, but I'm not going to, as you know, Ryan has said, you're not going to see it mm. for so many years down the road. Uh, seeing this, I, I can't even, if I was to take 13 years of data and comments, I couldn't even get to, if I combined it all, I would probably still be at a fraction about, you know, the impact that the LSA has, has made uh, to our workforce. Yeah. It's putting, it's helping them with their, their, their basic monthly household budget and just managing, managing their lives. Right. Yes. 
the number of clients we've heard that exact feedback from mm. Lisa too is honestly shocking to me. I mean, before moving to Forma, um, a couple of years ago, I was at a large life and disability carrier. And um, we've had so many customers say that on their engagement surveys, Forma is their number one most appreciated benefit. And so my insurance brain, I'm like, no, disability <laughs> insurance, always disability right. insurance, but um, right. it's times have changed. Everyone, everyone really appreciates and loves these LSAs, so. Yeah, I, I definitely see it as the um, is really the next thing, you know, as far as organizations realizing, look, we, we need to make sure that we're, we're we're giving an inclusive benefit where everybody can kind of engage with it. Uh, and, you know, just our our staggering in a great way to see the numbers of what has impacted with us, with our ability to stand this up as a new benefit. Um, you know, it, our people success team has been just over the moon uh, about, you know, how much uh, people have really leaned in and engaged, which is, which is great. And obviously there's some glitches along the way and people don't realize, wait a minute, I was taxed. And we're like, well, you did, you did spend $750 last month. So, you know, someone's got to take a piece of that, but uh, you know, really it's, it's been a great benefit. And I think really for me, it's going to be uh, what we, what we continue to, to use it for down the road and how we pull on other areas of our benefit strategy that we might be that might be perceived as not as inclusive and how can we fund more of that um you know through forma uh, you know will be a big thing for us to see you know in these years ahead yeah well on, on regarding funding forma ryan and megan uh do you see employers like kind of doing a shift from investing in their health insurance say maybe raise your deductible on the health insurance which is going to impact some people, but not everybody and invest the savings into a formal like benefit where that's positively impacting everybody and generating more in term, more ROI in terms of happiness and engagement uh, at, at work from the employees. Is that, are you seeing that? So we are seeing anything and everything. Mm -hmm. um, the types of questions we get, customers are being really creative right now. Um, but I would say the common trend is um, HR teams are just being asked to do more with less. And so everything is on the chopping block table um, in the sense that we want to look at all of our programs, how um, the utilization looks, how the engagement is, if they're appreciated, what the actual costs are, um, if it's something that uh, we we feel valuable moving forward, is it something that the employees we're trying to attract are going to see as a valuable benefit? And then um, we actually launched something we're calling our business value assessment. Uh, we launched it earlier this year where customers that are looking to get creative on spend or try to find a budget for these types of programs, share information about their benefit programs, utilization, engagement, all the things I just mentioned. And then what we'll do is put together a multi-year strategy to show them what the potential cost savings are by consolidating and moving certain programs to form us. So um, I, I think in terms of budget, there's a lot of creative people out there. Um, last thing I'll highlight there are wellness dollars. I think over the years, a lot of uh, clients have felt like those have become more of a phantom benefit. Carriers make it really hard to actually submit for reimbursement with some of the parameters they have in place. Yeah. And so we've been successful in collecting the actual 
wellness eligibility list from the carrier and designing a program that just meets their requirements. So, yeah, yeah. that's a great idea. I, I guess, you know, um, um, it sounds like you have to, th- and from an employer's perspective, Lisa, you have to really think about this holistically in, in you've got to think about your, your traditional benefits and how that impacts these newer lifestyle benefits and your retirement benefits and that you've got to really think more holistically about how you pull your benefits package together and where you step on the gas and where you put on the brakes and how you reallocate. Is that, is that right? Absolutely. You know, I think about um, like even our health savings accounts, you know, we obviously have high deductible plans, uh, you know, for a little, for many few years, we were putting in additional dollars into that. It's kind of a one-time, all of a sudden, you know, we're dropping hundreds of thousands of dollars as an organization. Uh, We might've gotten two thank yous. It was kind of like, oh, that's cool. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Uh, You know, and not that, and again, you know, it's not that many of our employees didn't appreciate it. They certainly did. But I think us moving, and that's kind of what we did, is we transitioned some of the funds that we were putting in one bucket by saying if 81% of our employees are are using our medical benefits right there, when we decide to put more money in our HSA, we're losing out on 19% that will never see it. So yeah. how do we how do we try to make this be inclusive for everyone? And that was another you know, real, real um, good point for us to look at, you know, going into LSAs that we, it wasn't just predicated on who is currently enrolled in our medical plan. It was every employee, no matter how long they've been with us, um, you know, no matter if they were in our benefits or not, that they were going to get, uh, they were going to be part of this program. What have you learned from implementing this benefit that you'd want other HR professionals to to know, kind of a lesson learned that you want to share with other HR professionals listening? So yes, there's a lot that's probably running through my mind. One is I I think we, you know, you probably never could over communicate to our employees about the taxable element of this because um, some were, even though, because keep in mind, you know, you had less than 20% utilizing fitness reimbursement. So they, they got the tax strategy, but you had 80% of the organization walking into a benefit that they had not had before. And they're like, what, you gave me this money, but now you're taking money away from my paycheck. We're like, no, it's just taxable side. So, you know, if I could do it all over again, it would be over communicating, using specific examples here. If you do this in January, this is what's going to happen your paycheck in February. That definitely would have been one um, Mm -hmm. that, you know, that I wish um, we could have over communicated. I also was so eager for us to finally get this going that, you know, I think we were we were kind of bending over backwards to say, okay, yeah, well, well, we won't do HSA anymore and we'll put it in the LSA. But the reality is those are two very different benefits. And because of the way that we rolled it out, I think we had some employees thinking they were similar and they're not. So mm-hmm. I, I wish, you know, we would have really stood it up on its own its own leg. Uh, though, but, you know, other than that, you, we kind of knew we were always going to have some bumps in the road, uh, but, you know, we're really excited about it. We talk about it during the recruiting phase. We explain how, you know, we, we have some special and unique benefits here and, you know, talking about the LSA right after that special and unique benefits, it goes a long, long ways. Yeah. And, and, to, and to Lisa's point too, and, and when rolling out LSAs, the, the beauty of them is you don't have to do it along with your plan year. If you want to say, Hey, we right. want to do it as a surprise. We're going to roll it out this summer. Employees have no idea it's coming. They're traveling with their kids. They're going on vacations. They're having fun. All of a sudden, boom, they get an extra sum of money every month, quarter, a year. That could be a huge That's sort of cool. hit that they didn't know it was coming. Um, so 
just to all the listeners out there, feel free to roll this out at any time that you like. There's no non-discrimination here. You can offer different benefits to different folks based on organizational structure. Get really creative and fun with it and make it a, a, a cool surprise. So so to those who are listening who are on the fence, like they're, th- they're thinking, geez, this might be good, but I'm not so sure. Like, like Ryan, maybe you can make the business case. What, what, what would you say to that? that listener who's not sure what to do next. They think it might be a good idea. Not sure. What do you say to them? I, I would say, I think it's important first roll out a benefit survey if you can. And, and, you know, obviously we can help too. We have some of the most common questions that uh, Megan and our team has helped put together. So you can get a good baseline of like how they're feeling about them today. So you can say, Oh, wow, there's, there's some gaps here that we need to fill. So you can feel confident jumping into this evaluation and know what needs to be there. Uh, and then as as Megan mentioned, you know, we can look at you know the the business value assessment that we set aside, what you have today, we can plug and play it uh, to show that where the savings could be and and how it may fit best into your organization. Um, but Megan, I don't know if you have anything else you want to add. Yeah. I mean, I I hate to say uh consider it because your friends are, right? Don't jump off a bridge because someone else is doing it. Um, but the data around organizations who are considering implementing an LSA. Uh, for next year is staggering. I think it went up over 60% of customers are having these conversations. Mm-hmm. And so um, this is a new trend in the market. It's really popular. Employees love it. And so in terms of keeping up with your peers from a benchmarking perspective, I would just say it doesn't hurt to have a conversation. And Lisa, would you what, what would you say to, to the hesitant employer? I mean, you know, I I think a couple of same things, but I also would add, you know, for us, and and I recognize that this is this is being recorded, uh, but one of the rate one of the reasons or places that we were able to move on this is we were able to use some of our wellness dollars from our from our insurance provider. So we we do get you know in some wellness dollars to spend every year from our great insurance provider, and they have been very workable with us on being able to use those funds. Um, in places that, you know, they really haven't police. I don't want to say they've not policed it, but they've been really helpful of being able to find a way to say yes. So, you know, the administrative cost for us to have a platform like uh, Forma is really being funded by your insurance carrier, which is huge. And I think they see it as, you know, if this is going to help, you know, people's overall well-being, why wouldn't we do it? And so that, um, for us, you know, we would it would have taken us another year or two to budget out. You know, we need a new mm-hmm. technology. Let's explain the ROI behind the technology using those wellness dollars, and then being able to tell our workforce that we're using these wellness dollars so everybody can take advantage of it, not just you know this person who happens to be in this office can take advantage of this program. Uh, th- that was a big thing for us. Great, great, great advice all around. So uh, listen, guys, it's time to go. But before we let you go, we always ask our guests a few rapid fire questions. Are you okay to do that? Yes. Go ahead. Tea or coffee? Ugh, depends on the time of day, but coffee. I can't survive without it. Coffee every every time of the day. Coffee all the way. Favorite food? Ooh, pizza. I'll run through a wall for pizza. Chinese food. Cheeseburger for me. Those all sound good to me. Last thing you watched on TV? Ooh, oh, better call Saul. Uh, beef on Netflix. Highly uh, recommended. Probably a rerun of Impractical Jokers, because that seems to always be on in the background uh, at our house. I love that show. Those guys are crazy. 
uh, very first job? Ooh, door-to-door life insurance salesman for a union in upstate New York. Um, I mean, that's a good question. What do I count as my first job? Um, uh, gosh, uh, first real job, I was a waitress at a Mexican restaurant. Lisa? I was selling sneakers at a sporting goods store. All right, and finally, um, this year at One Digital, guys, our theme is heart and hustle. So I'm curious for each of you, how would you plan to lead with heart this year? I think for me, it's just, you know, being more compassionate, listening to folks, being understanding of the market and what's going on in their organization. Um, every organization is different. So I want to treat it differently. Uh, and then as it means for hustle form, go to work form, find ways to make it work. If they love Forma and they love lifestyle spending accounts, let's find a way to, to get the budget and get creative so that their employees can use it and be happy. Yeah, I would agree. I think um, in terms of the last few years, uh, you don't necessarily know who had it really hard. So just uh, listening with an empathetic ear um, is really important, both at a personal level, but also at a business level, um, because at our ultimate goal is to solve problems. And the only way to really identify that and figure that out is to be a good listener. Um, I think it was heart and hustle. Mm -hmm. Heart and hustle. I, oh my gosh, I am a hustler. I think we can just be responsive, uh, be committed uh, to our word. If we say we're going to do something, we should yeah. do it. Um, but other than that, I think um, I love that theme. So heart and hustle. I think we may steal that from you. No, you're not allowed. <laughs> <laughs> and Lisa. No, I, I like it too. I'm My mind's going, you know, I'm almost actually visualizing, you know, a heart beating, but then it's running at the same time, you know. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I, it's interesting because I, for many years, I told our workforce, you know, hey, we're, we're in this business where we know that no one walks to the front door at the start of the workday and says, I can't wait to screw up. Um, very few people, if any, right, are walking through the, and starting their workday saying, I can't wait to screw up today. But I think that everyone has been through a lot. Uh, Megan said it best. You, you can't judge where people are at. Um, but trying to bring an element that um, and this is something that I want to do more of this year, even with my teams. I have such I have such talented people around me. And I just want to bring out their best work day uh, in any way that I can be doing that. So uh, for me, it's the hustle is making sure that everyone knows that and believes it, because the faster that I can get that out, the better we can be. Those are all great answers. And, and that alone, those answers were worth the price of admission, which, by the way, this podcast is free. So uh, nobody needs <laughs> to pay for it. But uh, guys, what a great episode. I, I'm looking forward to getting this out to everybody. I really appreciate your time. And to everyone who tuned in, thank you very much for listening. This has been another episode of Friends with Employee Benefits. Yeah.